the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group, Inc. does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones industry average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. So let's supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get This Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get This Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Flow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. We are securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. I'm having a great time this summer, and I hope you are, too. Have you looked at the calendar? We're in August already. What happened to the summer? Another four weeks, and we'll be at the Labor Day weekend. Soon, the kids will be going back to school. I'm not sure if there's any more COVID restrictions, but uh, we'll see what happens. And all the things that we have to get done before start school starts should be almost done by now. The vacations, as short as they were, should be wrapped up soon. I'm looking forward to the end of summer 
uh, soon be time for the county fairs. The fairs look, uh, I look forward to the most of the Lorraine County Fair in Wellington, and there'll be stage shows and amusement rides and the usual, usual county fair foods, which we can indulge in and be sorry for later. But hey, you know, it's, the things that I enjoy the most there is the junior fair with the 4-H kids. And uh, in the past, I've liked that part of the fair the best. The 4-H kids and their advisors, they bring in their animals and their projects, and uh, they go all on display. I like to walk through the barns, watching how the 4-H kids take care of their animals, how they put them through their paces. And these, these animals are pretty big. You know, you're talking about horses and steers and dairy cows. You're talking about animals that are 1,500 pounds or more. So there's also hogs and sheep and goats and everything else. And for the youngsters, there's chickens and rabbits too. But uh, but the 4-H kids and their 4-H advisors have worked hard training and grooming the animals for the show. And the kids can handle them, put them through their paces. Tammy and I were 4-H advisors years ago, the Columbia Riders, and then we were at Columbia Station, the Huntington Barnyard Boosters, and we're in Huntington. So we can identify with the 4-H program. It's the best. But I'll have to be patient because the Lorraine County Fair uh, starts uh, Monday, uh, August 21st, and it goes for a week, but it'll be well, well worth the wait. And while we're waiting, we can find some time to review our financial plan, our savings and investing. Are we doing enough to meet our goals? And we need to stay on top of the details and make changes if necessary. This week, global equities were mixed. In the United States, two of the major stock indices were up, and one was barely down. In the UK, the FTSE 100 was up, while in the European Union, the German DAX was up while the stock uh, Europe 600 was down for the week. In Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up as well as Hong Kong's Hang Seng. On Friday, <clears throat> the three major uh, stock indices closed at the Dow Jones at 32,803.47. So it was down uh, 0.13% for the week. The Standard and Poor closed at 4,145.19. It was up uh, 0.36% for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed at 12,657.55. And it was up 2.15% for the week. The discussions in the past weeks have been about whether the U.S. economy has started into a a recession. Oh, there was credible voices on both sides of the discussion. The principal evidence was that the, the announcement by the Bureau of Economic Analysis that the U.S. real gross domestic product had shrunk uh, for the second consecutive quarter in 2022. But most agreed that the final determination uh, regarding the recession would be made by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Uh, that's an outfit that has responsibility for defining what a showdown in economic activity constitutes a recession 
and they also established the dates for the for the peak in the troughs of the uh, U.S. business cycles. <clears throat> now, from a uh, from a uh, J.P. Morgan uh, note, uh, the committee's definition has shifted a little over the years, but it always been broader than just uh, two consecutive quarters of negative real GDP growth. Currently, uh, they define a recession as, quote, a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and lasts more than a few months, unquote. Determining when the economy enters a recession is based upon a number of economic indicators, including uh, one, real personal income, less transfers, two, non-farm payroll employment, three, employment as measured by the household survey, four, real personal consumption expenditures, five, combined wholesale and retail sales adjusted for price changes, and the last one is industrial production. And if you're looking at these lists, there's plenty of signs of weakness in the economy today, in particular, Real personal income minus the transfers has fallen in three of the last six months and is below its December 2021 level. Another one is real personal consumption expenditures have risen so far this year, but but fell by three-tenths of a percent in May and only recovered by one-tenth of one percent in June. Uh, Combined, another one is combined real Wholesale and retail sales appear to have declined in four of the last five months. And the last one is, while overall industrial production rose slightly in May before falling slightly in June, manufacturing production fell by five-tenths of a percent in both months. But the Department of Labor's payroll report that was issued yesterday showed a payroll increase of 529,000, 528,000 jobs in July. And basically, the, the number dwarfed the economist estimates by over 100% and ended any discussion about whether we were in a, in a recession for now. So we're not in a recession, not when you have unemployment numbers like those. And the Department of Labor's uh, employment situation report for July showed uh, non-farm payroll in- <clears throat> had increased by 529,000 uh, last month. Uh, another finding was that the private sector payroll increased 471,000 last month. And another one was the unemployment rate decreased from uh, to 3.5%. That's got to be a a real record. And it basically showed that the uh, non-farm payroll and the unemployment rates have returned to their February of 2020 uh, numbers that were pre-pandemic levels. So basically, we've made up in terms of employment and the uh, unemployment rates we made up for the pandemic. And we're going to talk about the details of that later in the show, what's included in that report in terms of where the jobs are and uh, where they aren't. 
Uh, it was a great report for the economy, and uh, but a big problem for inflation and for the Federal Reserve. If you take a look at the last uh, uh, numbers that we have for inflation, if you take a look at the uh, Consumer Price Index numbers for June, uh, the all-in uh, numbers over the last 12 months stand at 9.1% increase in inflation in June. Uh, if you take out uh, the food and fuel and just look at the core, it's reduced to 5.9%. The latest numbers with regards to the producer uh, 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 consumption uh, expenditure uh, for June show that the PCE year over year over the last 12 months came in at 6.8%. And so they're really, you know, we'll get our the consumer price index numbers to give us a gauge for inflation. We'll get those at the uh, next week. And uh, <clears throat> neither the CPI nor the uh, personal consumption expenditures show any peaking in inflation yet. So inflation is, <coughs> excuse me, inflation is still out there. The only thing I've seen so far is that uh, gasoline prices are going down. Uh, you're seeing gasoline that uh, I'm seeing in, in uh, where I live at about $3.90 a gallon. And also, I suspect that uh, meat prices will be going down, too, because the droughts in uh, the West are causing uh, real problems in terms of feeding the uh, cattle herds out there, and they're basically selling off their cattle herds. So you'll see a lot of of uh, steers going to market, and uh, that could lower the price of beef. And this payroll report <clears throat> that came out Friday, and that came out after the jobs allocation and uh, labor turnover report for uh, June, and that uh, JOLTS report, that's known as a JOLTS report, that came out on Tuesday. And the JOLTS report showed that while the job openings at the end of June had uh, Decreased from 11,303,000 to 10,698,000. The number of job openings posted is still approximately 5 million more jobs posted than the number of unemployed. So there's still a lot of jobs posted and there was still a lot of hiring uh, last month. So um, I guess that'll quiet the discussion about recessions for a while. And we're going to talk about both of those uh, later in the show. Uh, the economics for the week continues to show basically the strength of the economy. The economy is still growing with some sectors slowing their pace of growth. Uh, the, the, the Federal Reserve has been increasing the interest rates in order to slow the economy down, in order to slow down inflation. And these increased interest rates have moved the uh, fixed-rate 30-year mortgage uh, rates from their uh, 3% a year or year and a half ago to about 5.6% now. And that's basically causing a slowdown in, in the new home construction as well as uh, home sales. Both of those are slowing down as well as 
as uh, companies' uh, uh, capital improvements uh, budgets. In other words, <clears throat> in the uh, typically a company in terms of its capital improvements will go through a a financing exercise that says uh, what's the cost of uh, money, borrowed money, uh, and how long will it take to pay it back, and uh, when are we going to show a profit on this new adventure? And with the price of uh, uh, borrowing going up, what you're seeing is the uh, times to show a profit and, and pay it off are going are increasing, and a lot of their projects are being shelved and being postponed until the interest rates come down again sometime in the future. So uh, the, the latest manufacturing results uh, from the Institute of Supply Management, um, well, let's be from the federal government. The manufacturing results from the federal government show a 2% increase in manufacturing orders from June. And uh, part of that was auto sales for July increased to uh, 13.3 million in July from 13 million in uh, June, showing that the uh, higher prices and uh, interest rates are, are not deterring uh, uh, sales for autos and trucks. In addition, the Institute of Supply Management provided. Uh, 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 provided qualitative data for July that shows that the manufacturing sector uh, continues to grow, but at a slower pace. So basically, everywhere you look, uh, other than things that are, you know, like the uh, a housing, home construction, and home sales, they're slowing down, but they're certainly not uh, uh, tanking in any way, shape, or form. You know, housing construction basically had reached its structural limits uh, a while ago. And uh, by structural limits, I mean uh, the availability of uh, hardware, the availability of uh, lumber, the availability of skilled workers was uh, maximized. So uh, you were really reaching, regardless of the interest rates, you were kind of limited in how much you could build. And the only thing we've seen in the housing so far has been that the uh, attention in home construction has turned from single-family homes to multifamily homes. And I think that's a that's a combination of the the uh, structural constraints in the the operation of construction, plus the increase in the interest rates, plus the affordability. You know, with the home prices going up. These houses are getting very, very expensive now. And when you go over the, uh, what it takes in terms of the monthly payment, uh, they're getting to the point where people uh, have to opt for the multifamily homes rather than the single-family homes. So it, it's obvious that basically the economy, if it's slowing down, and as it is slowing down in certain sectors, is still a strong economy. And if anything, it's basically uh, slowing down, but not without a great deal of, of uh, not a great deal of pain in the slowdown. One of the things we we notice in all this economic data, uh, the <clears throat> the big picture 
says that the economy is strong. If you look overseas, what you see, excuse me, what you're seeing overseas is the uh, <clears throat> Europe is having a, a tremendous amount of trouble with its energy. In other words, basically with the Ukrainian, with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the uh, uh, energy situation in Europe is, is becoming worse uh, in terms of uh, it dependent upon Russia, the European Union, Germany in particular, is dependent upon Russia for its natural gas supplies. And now uh, um, the Russians are turning down the uh, tightening the screws on those supplies. And uh, uh, as far as Germany is concerned, a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, they received notice from uh, Russia that they were going to have to reduce the supplies by 80%. So they were going to get 20% of what they were expecting. So the big thing right now in, in uh in uh, Europe is to come up with some plans as to how to get the uh, natural gas reserves built up in time for winter. And uh, they're coming up with plans that show, uh, well, the European Union will have to uh, restrict the certain industries. They'll have to uh, restrict the amount of natural gas. Every country is supposed to face some sort of a limit in how much natural gas they use, and uh, it's causing a little bit of friction inside the European Union in the sense that uh, some countries, like uh, uh, Italy and Spain and Portugal, uh, basically they get their natural gas from North Africa rather than from Russia. So the question about whether they <clears throat> whether they should suffer a reduction is kind of... Uh, uh, a moot point to them because uh, they're not getting the Russian gas anyhow. So it's causing a little bit of a problem. And then um, in China, you still have this off again, on again uh, COVID situation as well as their, uh, their housing situation. So um, the rest of the world is basically uh, looking at a recession also. We're looking at a recession. When it's going to happen, nobody knows, and it's a matter of the Federal Reserve tightening those interest rates and increasing those interest rates in an effort to slow the economy down in the future. How does that affect our financial plan, though? You know, we, we're talking about micro-events, microeconomics. Let's talk about uh, our financial plan in terms of saying what's happening here to our goals, uh, to our savings, to our investments. And right now, uh, the goals, uh, our long-term goals should remain the same. The schedule should remain the same. The dollar amount should remain the same. And basically what's the, the issue and the problem are basically the uh, investments and uh, how do you protect your uh, investments during this period where uh, the Federal Reserve is trying to slow the economy down to conquer inflation. How long will that last? In other words, I, uh, the, the consensus is that uh, right now we stand at 9.1% uh, inflation over the last 12 months. That's according to the 
CPI numbers, the Consumer Price Index numbers, uh, and uh, that'll be down to 5%, supposedly, uh, by the end of the year. And uh, that gives us, uh, let's say, the next, uh, the first half of next year uh, to get it down from 5% to 3%. The idea being if they can get it down to 3%, uh, that'll be close enough to a victory that the Federal Reserve can turn from our being our being our friend again and begin to uh, reduce the uh, uh, the interest rates again. So we've got to get through this period of maybe a year uh, where we're where we're uh, uh, trying to do the best with our investments and. Uh, and hopefully it'll be less than a year because indeed both the the uh, bond uh, investors as well as the uh, stock investors tend to anticipate the future, and they get, they typically move about three months in advance of what uh, the uh, the actual event occurs. So if they see inflation going down, uh, and they uh, if it's conquered by the middle of next year, and what you're going to see is they'll begin to move, and let's say after the first quarter of uh, next year. So, how does that? But even that is only focusing then on on the investment side. There's the saving side. There's the uh, uh, the uh, standard of living. There's the getting new jobs and getting new uh, income. There's also the estate planning. So how are you allocating all of your income um, to your standard of living for the family, to your savings for your retirement, to the savings for the education of the children, or if you're younger, just to uh, buy a car and uh, get an apartment, or later on to, to start a family. So. All those things are part of the, the financial plan, and those are things that you have to take a look at. And uh, along the line, you have to basically keep, keep aware of there's other things like um, injuries and liabilities, lawsuits, and things of that nature that could disrupt your plan. So you have to carry insurance for property and casualty and life insurance and things of this nature. So uh, then you come up with estate planning when you're getting to the point where you're thinking about where is the money going to go after you're gone. And that means that uh, uh, all of your money in the financial institutions is generally going by way of the beneficiary forms. And uh, the wills and, uh, are basically for, unless, unless the beneficiary form says to give it to the estate, uh, the beneficiary forms generally say give it to an individual and uh, or a group of individuals, and then the will is generally for the disposition of your uh, uh, real properties, businesses and things of this nature, your houses and things. So uh, all of those things have to be taken into consideration in terms of uh, your goals and, and how you accomplish your goals. So. And uh, basically, that's what we do in terms of financial planning, the, the whole thing from uh, 
what are your goals, what the uh, schedule for your goals, uh, uh, the allocation of the income, the investments, the estate planning, and all the rest of it. And uh, those are things that we work on and we've worked on for the last 30 years. So uh, this is Jim McAleese, and uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, we have a toll-free number here. It's one 888 281-1110. That number is 1-888-281-1110. Give us a call and we'll talk. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is located at 47149 Bursley Road in Wellington, Ohio, 44090, and can be contacted at 440-647-2793. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. is 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. Give us a call. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. Uh, so, I mean, Jim, yes, I have a question this week. <laughs> So, as you know, I recently turned 62. Can you believe it? Woo. I know. Shocking. No, I would I have thought you were 40. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so, you know, we're starting to really think about retirement and that kind of thing. And I, I myself and my husband, Ernie, wants to know how much does early retirement reduce Social Security benefits? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> it's a it's a dramatic reduction if you go if you go out at sixty two. It, it depends upon when you're born, how long it, uh, until you reach full retirement age. Your full retirement age, uh, if you were born, uh, let's say in nineteen fifty six, uh, your full retirement age would be approximately sixty six uh, uh, plus four months. Uh, if you're born in uh, uh, 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. 
So that's the goal. The real central point is full retirement age at either 67 or, or somewhat less, 60, 60 in some months. Now, if you file early, they're going to reduce your monthly payment. And there's a formula, and uh, the formula actually says that their your monthly payment will be reduced by uh, five divided by nine uh, for each of one percent for each month before full retirement age. That's equivalent to about six point six seven percent per year. So if you go a year before your full retirement age. Uh, your benefits are going to be docked uh, 6.67% from uh, per year uh, each year you go before. That's for the first three years. Then for time beyond that, they're generally docked at uh, uh, 5 divided by 12 of 1% for each month. And uh, that amounts to about 5% per year. <clears throat> so. Uh, let's let's take the example. If your full retirement age was uh, 67, uh, and your benefit per month was uh, $2,500 per month, then uh, your annual Social Security benefit would be would be $30,000 per year. So if you go three years early, if you go at 64 rather than 67. Uh, that would be reduced twenty uh, percent. So that thirty thousand per year would be reduced to twenty four thousand dollars per year. And if you were to go two years beyond that, uh, say you went out uh, five years earlier at sixty two, uh, that would be the thirty thousand dollars would be reduced to twenty one thousand. So uh, that's a pretty dramatic reduction. We're talking about uh, going from a monthly benefit at full retirement of $2,500 a month to, uh, if you go five years earlier, it's going to become $1,750 a month. So if there's any way you can postpone that, um, postpone it. Uh, So filing early causes that... uh, monthly benefit to go down uh, pretty dramatically. And that's a permanent reduction, too. And as far as, uh, let's say if you go at 62 and you figure, uh, well, I'll I'll work, I'll do some part-time work or something like that, you're still under a a ceiling that the the, uh, Social Security Administration imposes upon you as to what your earned income could be. So in, in 2022, if you make more than dollars uh, in nineteen in 2022, uh, you're going to, if you make more than that, every dollar uh, above that number, you're going to lose, uh, uh, a, a, well, every $2 above that number, you're going to lose a dollar of benefits. So uh, that's another way they can reduce your benefits and except for that final year that you the year that you're closing in on your full retirement at let's say sixty seven, uh, then you can earn as much as fifty one thousand nine hundred and sixty dollars. So <clears throat> look at it this way. 
if you go early, you're going to get docked approximately 6.7% per year uh, if you go early versus your full retirement age. If you go early, you're going to be docked 6.67% uh, for the first three years and then uh, 5% uh, for if you're more than three years out. So in terms of uh, going out five years early, you could be docked as much as uh, uh, 30%. So you would get basically 70% of your uh, full retirement benefits if you went out uh, five years before your full retirement age. So, and then you'd be, you'd, then you'd have to uh, live within those restrictions of uh, approximately $20,000 per year. If you were to make more than that, uh, you would lose a, a dollar's worth of benefit for every $2 above that limit. So the idea here is that they're, they're put, they put together the rules uh, to basically force you, not force you, but they're, they're coercing you into going for full retirement age. Uh, don't don't uh, claim the benefits until full retirement age. And uh, 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 then at that time, you can make it, once you get to full retirement age, you can make any amount that you want. Uh, basically, uh, uh, I'm sure Bill Gates is uh, collecting Social Security. Not that it makes any difference to him. He's collecting Social Security with his uh, income. And uh, so uh, the idea here is to see if you can get through that full retirement age. Okay? I hope that answers. Yeah. Yeah, that answers my question. It sounds like I'm going to be packing lunches for a few more years. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, thank you, well, Jim. Hey, we were, you're invaluable anyhow. So Aw, thank you. You're working. Okay. All right. This is Jim Backley. You're listening to Get Rich Low. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. is one 281 Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Ah, that was cute. Thank you. All right. You're on. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Hey, the, the big news this week was the employment report. You know, that employment situation report. Is put out for uh, uh, is put out by the Department of Labor, and according to the July numbers, uh, the uh, uh, the U.S. employers added a lot more jobs in July than forecast, and the unemployment rate reached a new five-decade low. Uh, signs of both strong demand and a tight labor market. So. This, this report will keep the Federal Reserve officials uh, tilted towards another jumbo interest rate in September. In other words, the, the, before this report came out, uh, there was talk about, well, we increased the interest rate uh, three-quarters of a percent for the last two meetings. And there was talk about, well, the next meeting, the September meeting, they'll probably increase it by a half a percent. Well, now the talk after this report came out is it's probably going to be another three-quarters of a percent. But we'll see. You know, the Federal Reserve states that they don't 
<clears throat> they don't telegraph it until they actually hold their meeting and announce what the increase will be. But basically what the report shows that the non-farm payroll uh, increased by 528,000 jobs uh, last month, and that followed the uh, uh, increase of 398,000 jobs in June and 386,000 jobs in May. So, and also the unemployment rate, uh, that went down to 3.5% from 3.6%. And they, uh, as the uh, pool of available workers shrank, the, uh, uh, the, that increase of 528,000 uh, exceeded the expected payroll growth. The expected payroll growth was somewhere around 250,000. So it, it exceeded that estimate by over 100%. So the unexpected strength in hiring underscored the strength in the economy and the labor market. So this is a real contrast to the stories of layoffs and, and slower growth. The stories we've been hearing over the last no, the last month have been that the high-tech companies are, are putting a hiring freeze on and uh, doing some layoffs and things of this nature. But we've also seen the, you know, help wanted signs everywhere we go. And uh, in order to conduct business, businesses are businesses need workers and uh, they're in a tremendous demand. In addition to the total non-farm payroll employment uh, uh, for May and June, uh, they were revised from uh, May's payroll growth increased to 386,000 from the original reported 384,000, and June's payroll growth increased to 398,000 from the original reported, uh, I don't know what it was, but it was less than that. So, and what you're seeing is if you take a look back and say, okay, uh, what did we see uh, for this year so far? In uh, July, the number was 528,000. June, 398, May, 386,000, April, 368,000, March, 436,000, February, 714,000, January, 504,000. So we're basically seeing an average of 476,300 jobs, jobs per month. So we, that tells everybody that the uh, labor market is strong and uh, what you're seeing is gains in payrolls is broadly based led by uh, leisure and hospitality uh, professional and business services and health care and uh, the uh, the uh, companies a number of companies did announce plans to cut staffing levels last month but uh, the layoffs have so far have been largely concentrated in technology and interest-sensitive uh, sectors like housing. Uh, the labor force participation rate, the share of the population that is working or looking for work, slipped to 62.1%. And uh, But uh, the end result of this report is both the uh, total non-farm employment as well as the 
unemployment rate and basically returned to their uh, pre-pandemic rates of uh, February 2020. So uh, pre-COVID, the unemployment rate was uh, 3.5%, and the number of unemployed were 5.7 million. And that's basically exactly what we have now. the uh, <clears throat> employees, uh, employers appear uh, eager to hire across the country, and there are something like uh, 10.10 uh, million 698 thousand uh, unfilled uh, job offerings that were reported at the end of June, and uh, employers are basically holding on to the workers that they have, and. Uh, uh, applications for initial uh, jobless claims uh, was basically 260,000 uh, initial applications for for the month uh, for the week ending on uh, July 30th, and basically there are 1,416,000 people on continuing unemployment. Those are people that are on the state unemployment rolls. And they're going from month to month. They've been on there for a while. So, uh, what you're seeing is that the uh, the uh, increase in the uh, salaries, the average pay for the private sector worker, uh, has climbed 5.2 percent uh, for the year, and uh, compared with the year earlier, and uh, increased wages in July were up 15 cents. Uh, along with uh, uh, health uh, increases in uh, benefits to $32.27 per hour. So in the big picture, uh, the private sector has gained 471,000 jobs in July and uh, out of a workforce of 130.3 million workers in uh, June, of 2021, a year ago, uh, that number looked at 124 million. So, what you're seeing is that the federal government uh, added 57,000 jobs in July, and not the federal government, the governments in general. The biggest additions were in the uh, local government added 37,000 jobs uh, and a workforce of 14. 2 million. The state governments added 10,000 jobs to a workforce of 5.3 million, and the federal government added 10,000 jobs to a workforce of 2.9 million. And you take a look at the goods producing sector of the economy, they added 69,000 jobs in uh, and manufacturing, added 30,000 of those jobs. To a workforce of 12.8 million, construction added uh, 32,000 jobs to a workforce of 7.7 million, and mining, which includes gas and oil exploration, they added 7,000 jobs to a workforce of 635,000. And if you take a look at the uh, private sector, including uh, things such as retail, wholesale, transportation, financial, uh, professional business services. Uh, They added 402,000 jobs uh, to a workforce of 100 and uh, 
109 million workers. And if you, if you take a look at where the big job increases were in July, leisure and hospitality had 96,000 jobs and uh, 74,000 of the 96,000 were in food services and drinking places. And uh, even with that, your restaurants and places are still below uh, staffing level because they're still below staffing level of uh, 2020 by 1.2 million workers. So employment in, in professional and business services, that also increased 89,000 jobs in July. And the uh, job growth was widespread within the industry, including gains in management and 13,000 architectural and engineering, 13,000 management and technical consulting, 12,000 scientific research and development, 10,000. So what you find is that the employment in professional and business services is basically close to a million workers, more than uh, more than in February. So if you take a look at leisure and hospitality, uh, leisure and hospitality is still down 1.2 million workers from uh, February of 2020, whereas professional and business services are up million higher than February of 2020. Healthcare rose 70,000 in July, and uh, healthcare overall is still below the February of 2020 by 78,000 workers. And most of the job increases there have been in uh, ambulatory uh, healthcare, 47,000, and hospitals, 13,000. the employment and construction went up 32,000, and most of those jobs were in specialty trades, uh, like uh, plumbing and electrical and things of this nature, and they added 22,000 jobs out of the 32,000. And uh, construction employment right now stands at uh, 82,000 more workers than in February of 2020. Manufacturing. Uh, added 30,000 jobs in July, and uh, the durable goods, uh, they added 21,000 with the biggest increase in uh, semiconductor and electronic components, that was 4,000. And uh, employment in manufacturing is basically 41,000 workers above where it was in February of 2020. Retail trade increased 22,000 in July, uh, and uh, retail trade employment is $208,000, 208,000 workers above its level in February of 2020. Transportation and warehousing added 21,000 jobs, and employment in transportation and warehousing is 745,000 jobs above where it was in February. So basically what you're seeing is that the uh, the jobs are out there, the jobs are posted, people are hiring, the wages are going up uh, to the tune of uh, uh, 5.2% over the last year. It doesn't match inflation, which is 9.1%. 
but it still uh, it gets you halfway there anyhow. The average work week is still way up there, and the uh, 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 things look good with regard to uh, what they're seeing in the payroll. The again, as I said before, the real problem in this whole thing is going to be how does this going to affect inflation, and how is this going to affect what the Federal Reserve does in terms of curing inflation? The Federal Reserve's on a holy crusade right now about increasing a holy crusade now about increasing the interest rates, slowing the economy down to get inflation under control. And it really looks like they're going to have their hands full with this unemployment rate of 3.5% in the generation of jobs and something like close to 500000 a month and wages going up. So uh, how this all works out in the future in terms of getting this thing under control is going to be the, the something to look at. If you recall the late 70s, the late 70s, uh, during 74, around 74, 1974, inflation had picked up and uh, the Federal Reserve was increasing the rates at that time. and the uh, Federal Reserve Chairman at that time was known. Uh, his name was Burns, and uh, it, in order to, uh, because he had a recession on his hands and he had inflation, he chose to stop increasing the rates and start lowering the rates. Uh, that's known as Burns's blunder. That event, and basically that set the stage for the uh, inflation inflation expectations for the rest of the 70s. It ended basically with inflation up to 16% and uh, the uh, Federal Reserve increasing the interest rates to 20% in uh, 1981. That was Volcker, who was the chairman at that time. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out with regard to the strength of the economy versus the, uh, what the Federal Reserve is going to try to do in terms of increasing the interest rates. So the other parts of it is, uh, hey, even with, even with regard to manufacturing, manufacturing is basically still growing. It's growing at, the orders are growing at 2% in July, and uh, it's basically slowing down, That's according to the uh, uh, Institute of Supply Management. It's growing, but slowing down. And uh, uh, the factory orders for manufactured goods, uh, they were up there at 10%. And uh, uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. And uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back. People have started traveling again, and the airports and the airplanes are full, and some are feeling frustrated with the experience. But patience can help. And here's a, tra- here's a story, a traveling story about the cookie thief. Here's the story a woman was waiting at an airport for her lo- hours long flight. Since her flight was delayed, she had several hours on her hands. 
So she went to the airport shop and bought a book and a bag of cookies. And she took a seat next to a man, and he start and she started to read the book. He had to work. And while she was engrossed in her book, she happened to see that the man sitting beside her boldly grabbed a cookie from the cookie bag. She ignored the incident. She didn't want to cause a scene or anything like that. She munched some cookies from the bag and then went back to her book. But the man seemed to have enjoyed the cookies way too much. He took some more cookies from the bag and started munching. As time passed, she was getting more and more irritated as the cookie thief finished her cookie bag. Every time she took a cookie from the bag, he took one. When the last cookie was left, the man took that cookie and broke it in half, and he offered the other half to the lady and smiled. The lady snatched the other half of the cookie, and she thought, boy, this guy has got some nerve. Even after eating a half a bag of my cookies, he doesn't show any gratitude. <laughs> he had just been so galled by the man and so relieved when her flight was called, she gathered her belongings and headed to the gate, refusing to look back at the thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sat in her chair reading a book, and she reached her hand into her luggage, and she was surprised to find a full bag of cookies. If my cookies are here, she moaned, the other bag which she was eating was in, and he was, and he was trying to share. Well, she was flushed with anger about her cookies. The man was happily sharing his cookies with her. So, in a case like this, we have to remember, be patient. Things always aren't what they seem. Be patient, and your patience will be rewarded. Until we meet again next week, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.